So I'm Scott Sachs, and today I'm going to be speaking on Psalm 46. And I, I know we just prayed, but I want to pray one more time. <laughs> Lord God, we just pray that you bless us today as we spend time in your word. And I pray, Lord, that you would bless me as I uh, present the message now. I am um, a weak vessel, Lord God, and I just pray that you would use me as your instrument to to offer up your words and that your word and your thoughts would come through and I would just fade into the background, Lord God. And the words now would be a, would be strengthening to everyone that's gathered here, Lord God. We pray that your Holy Spirit would be working through this through this sermon. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so Psalm 46. Um, the reason I chose this was... Um, uh, when I, I've been a home group leader uh, for a while and recently handed off the baton on that to, to Paul Walton. But a couple years ago, I was uh, just had a lot of uh, stresses and anxieties about work and just a lot of things going on. And I just wanted to, to uh, study some scripture that I felt would be comforting, comforting to me and comforting to the home group. And I remember even at the time calling, uh, calling Psalm 46 comfort food you know the scriptures are our food for our soul, and um, I feel like this scripture is uh, is kind of like is better than grilled cheese sandwiches and tomato soup is to my body. I, I think it's it's comforting, and that's some good stuff, right? So let's uh, let's get into into the scripture and i apologize up front these these words are going to be pretty small on the screen but hopefully at least they'll give you an idea of of the structure that i was i was looking at and i'll I'll talk more about that in a middle in a minute but as as we dive into this i'm just going to be scratching the surface i know and i'm sure there's a lot more here than we'll touch on um but hopefully what what we do talk about will be uh be enlightening beneficial something that you can take away from today and if if you're a new if you're not a Christian, it would maybe entice you to find out more about about him and what he offers. So Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Selah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. So the first, the first verse of this passage 
God is our refuge and strength, immediately to me is comforting. It, it brings to mind protection, like a Kevlar vest. You know, you're going into battle, you have a Kevlar vest that's going to protect you from bullets. Or like, or like having a big brother behind you that's ready to take on any kind of bullies that are coming your way. Or like the scripture says, a fortress. A fortress of concrete, of thick steel, of rock, impenetrable. Nothing can get through. You're, you're solid, you're safe. Or, or an image of Superman that's going to come in and just fight the, the, the people that are coming after you. This is a, a, an image of protection, of, of safeness. And when I'm, these images I'm offering, they're all, they're all pretty weak, pretty weak analogies, especially compared to what, what's actually in the scripture. The psalmist, I think, does a really good job. Or, I mean, obviously it's the Holy Spirit-inspired scripture, so it ought to be better. But the verbs and the nouns in the passage itself really evoke the just the power and the might of God. If you look at the verbs, I apologize, I'm going to have to turn around a few times here as, as we do this, and I know that doesn't really show up very well, but the verbs that are used, roar, foam, tremble, swelling, rage, totter, melts, breaks, shatters, burns, those are all violent, really powerful verbs, all this action, all this this violence and chaos and turbulence. And it's all happening on a grand scale. The nouns that are used, the earth, the mountains, the sea, the nations, the kingdoms. It's scary stuff. I mean, all this, all this chaos, this tumult, this capricious violence that we're seeing in this, in this psalm. Earthquakes, volcanic eruptions, hurricanes, tornadoes. Battles, at least in my mind, wars, bombs, guns. I'm, I mean, I'm just picturing all these images of, of chaos, of turbulence, all on, on a, a massive scale. And all of that, all of that action, all of that tumult is, is contrasted with, with God and his power and his strength. God is bigger than all of it. He's massive. He's real. As I was practicing for this, I did not at all get emotional. But <laughs> it's amazing how God, how God, how good God is, and that's why this is comfort food. <laughs> so those are kind of just some of the the initial images and thoughts that come to my mind as I as I was um, spending time with this passage. And, and as I was spending time with it, kind of this structure came into my mind about how to organize this scripture. I don't know if this is the, necessarily the, the, the most correct way to organize this scripture, but it's something that kind of came to my mind. And, and the, first, the, first and, uh, the first line and then the, the, uh, the line in verse 7, Jacob is our fortress. And then at a very, again at the end, Jacob is, the God of Jacob is our fortress. That line kind of shows this refrain and it shows some kind of structure to the, to the passage. And so using that, I kind of organized it in this fashion. And hopefully this will be beneficial to kind of pull some things out of it and, and maybe get some new insights from, from the scripture. So, so from, 
from just looking at this organization, the way I've kind of organized it, I'm also going to just kind of go down, and I've in the handout I have it here as well, so you can look at that. But I'm going to follow follow this train of thought, and and then kind of look at each of the brackets of how those passages are connected together, and we'll talk about that. But just in looking at the kind of the flow of the scripture, the one of the things that I'm that that kind of came to my mind is this is this vision of a of a hurricane that. There's all this action, all this chaos, but as you draw down and go down into the scriptures deeper and deeper, you get closer to God. And and as you get closer to God, there's a stillness and a peace. So all this action, all this chaos, all these things that are happening around us, and when we get closer to God, we're we're in the middle of that hurricane and we're at peace and we're we're able to be close to him and he takes care of us. And I kind of show that again here where I just, I'm kind of showing the, the way the hurricane, not, they're turned on their side, but kind of the eye is, is where that verse, she, she shall not be moved and be still and know that I'm God. That's kind of where that image popped out of my head or popped into my head. As, um, as I was looking at this and thinking about this, this, this idea of all this chaos and all this action and then in the middle is this stillness and quietness. I was thinking the, the thought of the the um, the story of Elijah came to mind. Elijah was a prophet in Israel, and he was attacked, um, and people people were out to kill him. And so he ran away, and he hid in a cave. So if I can bring up that verse. Can you hit this the next button there? Thank you. So I'd just like to read this passage from 1 Kings uh, about Elijah. There, Elijah came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant thrown down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. And he said, God said, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great strong wind tore the mountains and broke into pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face face in, in his cloak, and he went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came there came a voice, and that word voice is the same as low whisper, a voice to him. And said, and that's clear that it's God, what are you doing here, Elijah? And after that, he, as the passage goes on, it talks about how God, God spoke to Elijah and provided, provided him direction and comfort, um, comfort in at least knowing what to do and that God would be there to protect him. So in the midst of all of this, people chasing him, people going after him, God demonstrates his power to Elijah 
but he ministers to him and talks to him in this still voice. So going back to the, the structure, we'll look at this first, first verse and verse 7b and verse 11b. God is our refuge and strength. And compare that, the God of Jacob is our fortress. The main point of the psalm is really that God is our refuge and strength. He's here for us. He's our refuge. He's our fortress. One of the questions that comes to my mind is, as we're looking, this, looking at this passage is, who is the hour? God is our refuge and strength. This, this psalm was written by Jews, uh, by you know during the time of uh, Israel during the during the time of the kings, so if this was written by a Jewish psalmist to bring hope and praise and glorify God at that time, how does that apply to me today? And I think the best way to answer that is to look what Paul says in Galatians three twenty six to twenty nine. For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. For you all, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. So this tells us right here that if we believe in Jesus, we are considered as the faithful of Israel. We are considered Abraham's offspring. So this this passage very much, uh, this psalm very much applies to us today. God is our refuge and strength. If we believe in Jesus, this is ours. This is our comfort food. We can take this and 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 take this into our hearts and know that He is He is here for us. The next, um, so again, I just want to say that the way these are bracketed here, you can see that God is our refuge and strength. That's the same, it's in different words, that's the same as saying that God, the God of Jacob is our fortress. He is our fortress, he's our refuge and strength. So if we look at the next set of verses, I should have had this set up so it goes faster. Um, the next verse, verse 1b, a very present help in trouble. And, and the words that I'm kind of linking to that, the Lord of hosts is with us, and that other verse, the Lord of hosts is with us, these all talk about God is with us. He's in our midst. He's, he's nearby. He's present. God in the Old Testament showed his presence when he was leading the Israelites. He was... He was present in the miraculous works that he did in freeing Israel from Egypt. He was present in, in caring for the Israelites in, in, the, in the wilderness with the manna and the quail. He was present when he was leading them into the promised land. He was present when he was giving them victory after victory after victory in the land of Canaan. In the time later when, when they had the kings and the time of Solomon, 
they built the temple. And at that point, God, when they dedicated the temple, the Holy Spirit came and, and the presence of God was in that temple. And we see that in the Second Chronicles passage. Second Chronicles 7, 1 to 12. This is when Solomon dedicated the, the temple. As soon as Solomon finished his prayer, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple and the priests could not enter the house of the Lord because, because the glory of the Lord filled the Lord's house. So the presence of the Lord is in the temple. And that, that becomes a, both a symbol and in, at this point in time, an actual, uh, God was actually showing him, himself there. So we have the presence of God in the miracles amongst the Jews, the presence in the temple, the ultimate manifestation of God's presence, that God is with us, is that God came down to earth as a, as, as a man, as Jesus Christ. That is the ultimate in God's willingness to come and be present with us. God, one of the titles that Jesus has, one of his names is Emmanuel, which literally means God with us. 700 years before Jesus was born, the prophet Isaiah prophesied, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. If we believe in Jesus, the Holy Spirit will actually be present in our bodies. The New Testament temple. He is, he is in us. So all of these things are showing us that God is present. He is very much nearby. He is with us. Which is what each of these verses is really pointing out the Lord of hosts is with us. Now the one verse here that doesn't seem to fit is the, is the verse that says, come behold the works of the Lord. And I think it's there, the way I'm looking at it is, it's a way of pointing out something different or making us look at something maybe a little differently. The one thing to note here is come and behold, it's a command. It's a command to, to, to do this. We're supposed to we're supposed we're commanded to, to to come behold. And there's only this verse and an, and one other instance where there's a command in this psalm, and that's be still and know that I'm God. All the other verses they're they're highlighting the chaos and the turbulence in the world. Or they're talking about God's power and his character and his his might. What I think this highlights is that the real action, the real, the real action is on God's part. All that we're required to do is simply to come and behold, to, to be still, to know. Maybe to put it another way, to believe. If we believe... That's all we need to do if we believe. As the Galatians passage says, we put on Christ. He is nearby. He's present with us. 
come and behold the works of the Lord. We need only we need only open our eyes. He's so close. He's so available. All we need to do is open our eyes. And that's what I think that's why come and behold all we need to do is open our eyes. He is present in creation. I mean you see it when you open your eyes and you look at the creation, the wonder of God that how he has made this place. He's present in the word of God. You see him in the word of God. And again, the ultimate manifestation of God's presence is Jesus Christ. God coming down to the earth in the form of the man, in the form of a man and our savior Jesus Christ. We don't need to climb mountains. We don't need to go on huge journeys to to behold God. We just need to be still. Be still and know that he is God. Those that don't know God, they don't they don't see him. And Isaiah talks about this. It's prophesied. It's it's not a surprise. Isaiah 6, 9 to 10. And he said, go and tell this people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return and be healed. We just need to open our eyes. We just need to come and behold. And God's the one that's going to do the work. So as we move down these verses, the next uh, section that I want to look at are these verses that, therefore we will not fear. And, And this is a real comfort to me. Therefore we will not fear. Because... It doesn't say, so do not fear. God is our refuge and strength, so do not fear. It says, we will not fear. Again, we don't have to make ourselves, we don't have to bear up under this saying, I don't have to fear, God's with me. No. We, if we know God and we have him in our heart, God brings that peace and the fear dissipates. We don't have to work at it. God, God, God gives us that peace and he gives us and he drives away that fear. These passages, the, the, this next section, they're, they're kind of the earth passages. They're all looking at the, on the earthly scale. And there's a lot going on here. The earth giving way. The earth melting. Desolations on the earth. And God being exalted in the earth. Honestly, as I was looking at these passages, I had to wrestle with them. I mean, on the one hand, the first part, that therefore we will not fear, though the earth gives way, is a comfort because we know God is going to take care of us. And that's, that's comforting. But the other verses, it's, I wrestle with it, that, that he utters his voice and the earth melts, that he brought desolations on the earth, and that we're to glorify him for those. How does, how does that work? That doesn't seem right in some ways. God is all-powerful. He's all-knowing. And, and if he's all-powerful and all-knowing, he is allowing some of the ugly stuff that's happening on this earth. 
I don't think we can fully understand that. But I think we get some understanding of it in the scriptures. God is holy. He's righteous and just. And his justice demands action. It demands destruction of the wicked. And it demands punishment for sin and disobedience. Kind of a cartoonish way of looking at this is Superman's not really Superman if he doesn't bust up, or he's not a superhero if he doesn't, you know, take charge and bust up the bad guys when they're doing something bad, you know? And, I mean, God God needs to intervene. He needs, if there is sin happening, he needs to punish it. And he does. There are actions, there's God's actions happening in this world where he is, he is taking care of his people. The other part of this, though, is the inaction. Why does God allow this stuff to happen? Why are, th- why are these such horrific things happening? If God is a, a good God, why is he allowing this? I think it's grace. God, God is delaying judgment until as many people as he can can be gathered in. I mean, the truth is we're all sinners. We've all, we all deserve judgment immediately. I mean, right now. Just if, if God is so patient, I mean, he, he, he would be completely in the right to, to just obliterate the entire universe now because of the sin and judgment that, that, that we face. But he doesn't. He, by grace, is delaying judgment to bring as many people as he can into, into, his, into, recon, into, into family with him, reconciling his children to himself. God will melt the earth to restore everything. God's going to act and he is going to melt the earth and he needs to do that to remake this earth, to make it new. His ultimate aim is, is uh, brought out in Revelations 21, 1-5. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them, and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. God will accomplish this. And, and when he when he melts the earth and when he remakes everything, everyone is going to be faced with acknowledging that he is the God of the universe. And at that point, he will be exalted in the earth. Everyone's going to have to acknowledge that God is the God of all. And he is to be exalted, worshipped, glorified, and honored. The next verses that we'll look at Uh, starting at verse 2b and, and through 3. Though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, 
Though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Selah. These are things that are, that I think, looking at it from like a regional or a national scale. And these are, these are kind of giving us images of mountains and seas. And again, we don't, we don't need to fear. We don't need to fear these things. We will not fear these things. These are caused by sin entering into the world. Matter, all the natural things, matter is, is moving from order to disorder. It's the second law of thermodynamics. It's entropy. The earth is winding down. It's unraveling. It's dying. And it's, it's going to continue to do that until Jesus returns. The parallel to these natural, regional, cataclysmic events are, are the man-made ones that you see in verse 6a. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. Again, we don't need to fear these, and we will not. God's taking action, and that's what we see in the, in the verses that follow. God takes action. He, he is the ultimate peacemaker. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. When, when we come to Judgment Day, I think we'll see, when we, we'll see how much God has been intervening in, in the political events that are, that are going on throughout the world, in the wars and, and, and all the battles and wars that have gone on. I mean, the thing, the thing is that if God was not here, all the good stuff that's in this world is because God. If God was not in this world, it'd be a horrific place. And there is, there is ugliness in this, in this world, there's no doubt. But God, God will protect us as his people. And he is allowing this time to bring more people in. And when, when that judgment day comes, God will be exalted among the nations. He will be seen as... as the true, the ultimate peacemaker. So the next verses that we'll look at, and I'm getting close to the end here, so I hope I'm not losing everybody, is that um, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. So these images that we're seeing now, we've seen all this roaring and foaming oceans and seas and now we're starting to see a new image, a more peaceful, idyllic image of, of rivers and streams and gladness. We're moving, I kind of look at it as we're moving down this verse, these verses as we're moving closer to God. Things are becoming more understandable, more peaceful. I kind of view it as like journeying from the open country where there, you've got all these threats and moving up, up the hill to the fortified city of Jerusalem. And then within Jerusalem, moving to the, to, the, to the temple, the holy habitation, the holy habitation of the Most High. So as we're moving closer to God, we're moving away from the chaos and the tumult, and we're moving to a place of peace and gladness. The streams that make glad the city of God, I think is the commentaries I've read and things that I've seen, I think are a reference to an Ezekiel passage. And I, I don't have time to read it now. But basically, it's, it's a description of... A, uh, Ezekiel is given a vision, and he's in the temple, 
and, and he's being led around. And there's this little trickle of water coming out of the temple. And the temple and the water goes out, goes out beyond the walls of the temple, and it grows, and it gets bigger and deeper and bigger and deeper and bigger and deeper. And it's this huge river that's flowing of fresh water. And it's flowing to the salty sea, and it's going to make the salty sea fresh. And this fresh water, there's fish teeming in it, and there's life, and there's trees all along the river, and they're growing, and they're providing food, and the leaves are for healing. This image of, of, this, of this water, of this fresh, life-giving water from the, from the temple, from the presence of God. What is this water? Well, Jesus said in John 7, 37 through 38, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Our spiritual thirst is quenched when we draw near to Jesus and we are made glad like, like this river that's, that's talked about in the psalm. The parallel of the river, the glad, the river that brings this feeling of gladness to the city, I think, is, is this image of the morning dawning. The morning dawn um, brighten, it brightens our, our outlook. It reaffirms that, that God will be with us and with his people. Drawing, drawing near to God requires all that we, requires only that we be still and know that I am God. We just need to quiet our hearts, accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, submit to him, acknowledge that he is the Lord and God of all. So as we move closer to God, you know, on this journey, the only thing we need to do, again, is be still and know him and quiet our hearts before him. If we believe, then God will be with us. He will be in the He will be in our He'll be in the holy habitation of our bodies, our new temple. He'll be with us. He'll be in our midst. He'll be, he's, he's right here. He's here now. God will help us. Just as He was faithful to Israel, He'll be faithful to us. I think the center of this psalm, and I'm sorry, I'm running a little late, guys. This is going to be a little long. I apologize. The center of this psalm is that I think that she will not be moved. God is the center. If we have our hearts on him, if we, have our, uh, if we believe in him, if, we've, if we be still and know that he is God, then he is our anchor. He's our rock, our foundation our strength, our refuge, our fortress. We're like in the eye of that hurricane and we are, we're like solid and we're at peace regardless of all the chaos and all the tumult that around us. There's some verses in Isaiah and a verse in Romans that I think parallel the, the ideas and the images in, in this psalm, but I don't have time to read those right now. But I put those in the handout so that you can take a look at those later. Psalm 
sorry. There we go. So as we're in this, this you know, viewing the, the, all the chaos around us kind of as a hurricane, it's, it's difficult, you know, when we're faced with the hurricanes and the storms of this life, both on the outside, maybe even in our own hearts, to, to wait on him, to draw near to him. I mean, honestly, I want to do what Elijah did. I want to run away. I want to hide in the cave. I mean, I, I have that feeling all the time. Like, when I'm at work, I'd love to just get away. And one of the ways that I do that, one of the ways I run away, is I watch movies or I watch TV or play a video game. Others might uh, might talk on the phone or text or look at Facebook or maybe it's drugs or alcohol or sex. All of these things we try to fill and distract ourselves, run away from, from, from the troubles that we face. And all these things, they just offer temporary relief. They're just... They're fleeting. The only thing that's going to truly satisfy is that living water, that living water, Jesus. He is, he is what will truly satisfy us. He, was, he is what will truly restore ourselves. I remember uh, uh, just a few weeks ago, I had to give a presentation for work. I'm, I'm managing a project that um, is, uh, it's difficult for me because it's not an area that I'm an expert in. And, I feel really unsure of myself, and I had to give this presentation, and I felt vulnerable. I felt exposed, naked, and I remember praying about it. And I, had, I prayed, you know, weeks before it as I was preparing, and I remember even praying right before I had to give it. And I just remember praying, Lord God, if you just help me, help me to be honest in the face of anybody asking me questions that are tough or questions I don't know the answer to, help me to honor and glorify you by being honest. Even if I'm, you know, I don't know what I'm doing here, guys, but this is what I believe is the case, whatever. To present it from a, from a, a, a just an understanding that, you know what, God is with me. God's going to protect me. I, I, can be, I can be completely transparent and go ahead, riddle me with bullets, you know, like with questions. I don't care. God's here for me. And he delivered me in that, in that instance. He gave me a peace and a confidence. And I mean, and this is a, just a miniature kind of example, but I see if we know that God is here, if he is with us, if we take that to heart, he is our refuge and strength in all things. And the project's still going on. I still have it. I'm still unsure. I still feel anxious about it. But I know God's faithful. And even if the next presentation or meeting goes really poorly, I know he's here for me. He's, he's going to protect us. He's going to be with us. It's not always easy. It's not always easy to, to trust that God will be there with us. It's easy to get, really, to get overwhelmed by the hurricane of stuff going on. But Psalm 46 is a comfort to me. It really is comfort, comfort food. It reassures me because it, it gives me all these images of how chaotic the world is, but how mighty and powerful God is. He's there for us. So I can, I can rest and know that he is my refuge. He's my fortress. He's my rock. And I don't need to travel great distances to get there. I just need to be still. Be still. Come and behold. Be still. No. I am God. 
if we do this, God will be our refuge and strength. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. All we need to do is to be still and know. And through faith in Jesus Christ, just know that he is our God. Let me pray just real quick. Lord God, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to share your word today. Thank you for being here. I pray that you... um, You are glorified in this, and that um, you shine through. Bless us and be with us today, Lord God. Help us to really know in our hearts and take it it deep in our souls that you are our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble, Lord God. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.